0: In three, two, one. Before anyone ever cared, I was on TV. I was a kid on ESPN radio. It's where I talked. It's where I cried. It's where I complained. Wait a second. Is the open of this show comparing Greeny to LeBron? Shaq, what do you think?
1: i tell you what, man. I second what Shaq just said. Knock on wood if you're with me. How great is this? Greeny returning to ESPN Radio. It's incredible, phenomenal, arugula. Wait a second. What time is he on? In radio,
0: nothing is given.
1: Everything is earned.
0: You work for what you have. I'm ready to accept the challenge. ESPN Radio. I'm coming home.
1: Hour number two, day number one of the rest of our lives. Greeny back with you on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, our guests on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. And some of you just joining us here, this is our second hour of the show, and I will just say, as I said at the beginning, it feels like it's been about 10 minutes, and it feels as though it was a different lifetime. But I'm thrilled to be here, and I'm thrilled that you're with me, and we're going to have a lot of fun. That's what I'm here to do, is to have fun because there's a lot of fun to be had in all of this. We'll do a poll question every single day. I'll carry it over from get up to here. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised the numbers are what they are. The question on my Twitter page at ESPN Greeny is, do you believe they should play college football this fall? 61% say yes. 39% say no. Candidly, I expected it to be a much higher number saying yes, they should play because selfishly we all want them to play. One way or another, we'll talk about that more when Booger joins us a little bit later. Jeff Van Gundy a little bit later. A headline that flat out ruined my day and is going to ruin yours if you are a fan of my favorite team is coming up in a little while. But I want to do something now. This is something we've we've been doing a lot on Get Up. Um, which has worked really well and I think it'll work really well with us here on ESPN Radio and that is particularly on Mondays I think as we come off a busy sports weekend there's news to get to from a bunch of the different sports and we do it quickly so we will start with the National Football League and my friend Adam Schefter our NFL insider extraordinaire is standing by in the shell Pennzoil performance line with just the very latest news out of the NFL hello Shefty
2: I would agree. Congratulations, and good luck with the new radio show.
1: Uh, you're the best. Thank you, my man. And and so the way I want to do this here is just very simply, what are things that football fans should know about and should be thinking about as this week begins? I was watching padded practices yeah. this morning. We're seeing all this stuff falling apart with college and everything else, and there's obviously a lot of pressure on the NFL there. What are the important things football fans should know?
2: Well, first and foremost, I have not heard from anybody in around the NFL, coaches, from office members, players, that there's not going to be an NFL season. And I think if we would have had this conversation two, three months ago, a lot of people would have wondered how the NFL would have pulled it off. And a question I get asked often is, is there going to be football this year? And frankly, I'm surprised to even get that question right now because there is going to be football this year. They're playing the games this year. They're going to go off. The season's going to start on time, barring some unforeseen calamitous situation that, that I don't envision right now. They're going to have the Chiefs, Post the Texans on Thursday night, September 10th. I think it'll be incredibly interesting to just see how these teams and players develop and click without any preseason games. And you'll see certain players emerge and pop up and flash. and and. But there's going to be football, Greeny. There's going to be an NFL season. We'll see how long it lasts. I think they, they're confident they could pull this entire thing off. And I know that basketball has been in a bubble in Orlando and hockey has been in a bubble in Canada and baseball's had some troubles but it is soldiered on and I think that's what the NFL is gonna do. The NFL's created its own virtual bubbles within its own cities. They're not official bubbles because players do go and come from home back to the training facility. But there is regimented testing every day. The players' temperature is taken every single time. Uh, they get the regular COVID tests. I-, I think right now there are like nineteen players total on the reserve COVID list, 19 out of an entire league with teams having 80, 90 players in camp. So I think the signs from the NFL so far to date have been very encouraging, and the season is going to open on time.
1: Which is obviously for all of us who love the sport. Outstanding news. One more quickly, Shefty. I made this observation on Get Up this morning that all of us who are fans, we are accustomed to the rhythm of this. So when you see teams in in padded practice for the very first time, when we see that video as we did today, Cam as a Patriot and Brady as a Buccaneer, we, we think to ourselves... The season is still pretty far away, right? we got two months. Well, in this case, we have four weeks. The NFL season starts three and a half weeks from Thursday. So what are you hearing from teams, players, coaches about all of that being as condensed as it is? What factor do you think that has as the season starts? It's just, as you
2: said, an entirely new rhythm and routine. But then again, Greeny, haven't we all had to adjust our own lives? And so if we've had to disrupt and Upend our lives the way that we have. It's certainly not all that big of an adjustment for football teams and coaches and players to have to do the same, and that's that's exactly what's going on. Everything is different. You're seeing coaches with masks at practice on the football field. You're seeing um, less activity like that. Now, of course, they're starting to get into these padded practices. Uh, there'll be a certain sense of rhythm, but it still feels a little odd and surreal. Like I was thinking this morning. Ordinarily. I think ESPN would be having its first preseason game on TV this week, Thursday night, and another one a week from tonight on Monday night. And that's not going to be the case. And when that happens, you could almost feel football coming on, and in a way it doesn't feel real, at least to me. Maybe that's just me and the only way that I'm feeling this, but it just seems everything's out of sorts because we're all out of sorts right now
1: i agree it it doesn't feel real to me either but i'm sure it will as we get closer and we're looking forward to it and no one will cover it better than you will thank you shefty we'll check in tomorrow thanks my man
2: good luck with the show green you know it's gonna be great
1: thank you that's the great adam shefter with us and we'll go around the different sports here next up is baseball and my buddy buster only the last day that i was on espn radio buster was one of my last hour last guests mike and i Headbuster buster because he was such a huge part of what we did all those years and will be a huge part of what we do here good good afternoon robert Stanberry only the third
3: yeah granny that was an honor and this is an honor congratulations on the new show it'll be a success like everything else you do
1: well thank you my man at, at some point you're gonna have to come in here and tell the the story about daniel boone uh your first pet who, <laughs> who, who wound up being dinner but that well we'll do that a different day for today i want to ask you this question what Is it baseball fans coming off of the weekend, heading into a week? What should they be knowing? What should they be thinking about? What are the most important things in the sport right this minute?
3: Well, first off, uh, just hearing your conversation with Shefty about COVID, baseball is plowing ahead. You know, as summer camp began, in talking with executives around the game, so many of them were pessimistic that they would get to this point. But there was one general manager who said once they get rolling and they got that pot of gold in the postseason money, they're going to keep moving. And so while they've had outbreaks with teams like the Marlins and with the Cardinals, baseball is moving ahead. And the second thing is, you know, the trade deadline now is fast coming upon us only two weeks away, but it's such an unusual trade deadline because of all the variables, including the question of whether or not at some point the whole thing will be derailed. So I don't think there's going to be as much aggressive, big trade-type movement as we've seen in the past because I think teams – General managers are having a difficult time uh, assessing value and understanding, okay, what should we give up in this situation, Uh, especially when we don't know for sure we're actually going to reach the finish line. Yeah, that
1: makes sense. Um, What And and there's also going to be 16 teams in the playoffs this year, assuming they do get that far. But for those who haven't been following it, what are the names that are out there? What, what, What names are even being rumored as far as consequence?
3: Boy, uh, well, first off, start with the Boston Red Sox. Uh, they, as Sam Kennedy, their team president, said the other day, they are open for business. They are listening, and it makes sense because the Red Sox, who you know had the best team in franchise history just two years ago, they are a disaster. Uh, I didn't update the numbers this morning, but you know, six one zero ERA going into last night's uh, Sunday night game was the worst DRA in club history Mm. after 21 games. So for the Red Sox, they will listen on some of their relievers, a guy like Brandon Workman, uh, Matt Barnes possibly, but also I think Jackie Bradley Jr., Kevin Pillar. And watch J.D. Martinez, who's under contract for the next two years with a universal DH now extended to the National League. I think other teams will be open to talking about them.
1: All right, we'll keep an eye on all of that. Buster, thank you. We'll check in again soon. Have a great day, my man. Thanks, Greeny. That's Robert Stanberry only the third. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Call or click today. Find out if we could save you hundreds on your car insurance. I saved Tim Legler for last because we'll spend a little time here as the NBA playoffs are underway. And Tim Legler is with me uh, this afternoon. I have, to, I have to get used to For 21 years, I've said this morning, and and I'll say this. I have not I've not accidentally said Mike and Mike. I've not accidentally said get up but I have multiple times almost said this morning. <laughs> it isn't morning where I am, and in and, and most parts of the country it is not. Tim Legler, good afternoon. How are you?
4: Well, Granny, for, I've been there now. This is I'm finishing up my 19th season, so for 19 years I've been coming to see you in the morning. So it's, it's interesting to talk to you in the afternoon. So I think we're both in the same boat. I'm we're doing great.
1: We're very doing different. Great. Good to be on. Yeah, it's good to have you, uh, my friend. So, so let's, let's just dive right into this. I have a bunch of different places I want to go, but why don't we start... At the end, NBA playoffs start today. Who have you got winning this thing? Who do you like in the East and who do you like in the West?
4: Man, look, I went with Clippers, Celtics before the season, and um, I'm not so sure about the Celtics. Although I like them a lot more than I did a couple months ago, or uh, when this, you know, when the basically I should say January, a um, couple months before the season shut down, I wasn't that thrilled with the way they looked, but they they made a lot of progress, so they're in the mix. I don't know that I'd say they're the favorite in the East, but I, I still I'm going to stick with the Clippers even though I'm, I'm still dying to see what their eight- or nine-man rotation looks like for an extended period of time. I think Doc Rivers is probably excited to see that, too, because he hasn't had it all year. So they've got some question marks to figure out about rhythm playing together. Um, but there's no question that's the most talented roster, one through eight, in the NBA, and, and really on both ends of the floor. What they can do defensively the versatility they have offensively, the number of guys that can hurt you on a given night with a big game, nobody can match that. So I'm going to stay with the Clippers. And I'll just put the caveat that they they have a lot that they've got to find in this early round. And Dallas is a very dangerous team to have to play while you're trying to figure that out.
1: Let's talk about Kawhi then for a minute. I was talking to Vince Carter this morning on TV, and he made the, the, the I think the pretty significant statement that in his mind if Kawhi Leonard wins the championship with the Clippers and is the finals MVP, and if he did, he'd become the first player ever to be finals MVP for three different franchises. By the way, LeBron could do that too. Uh, either one of them would become the first ever to do it if they should. But in the case of Kawhi, Vince Carter started talking about how we will have to start considering him in historical ways, and, and that made me think a moment because – We all know, Legs, and you and I have talked about this a million times, that LeBron is competing with ghosts. LeBron is an immortal, and when we talk about him, we talk about how he compares to Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and people like that, not other current players. Kawhi, we tend to talk about more in a a contemporary context. But if he should do this, if he should lift the Raptors, who had never made the NBA Finals, to a championship, and then lift the Clippers, who had never even made it to the conference Finals, to an NBA championship and becomes the first player ever to win NBA Finals MVP for three different teams. What will we then have to start talking about with regard to Kawhi's place in the history of the game?
4: Yeah, I I think that's a great point by Vince. And I think the bigger context around that, Greeny, is to this point, okay, you look at his first Finals MVP in the team he won with the San Antonio. At that point, going into that playoff series, he hadn't really been considered the best player on the San Antonio Spurs. He was—he was still a very young player. It just so happened that he had a great series, a dominant series. Particularly, like his rebounding in that series was pretty remarkable, and he wins Finals MVP. It, it was not something that was thrust upon, and we weren't really ready for that. Now, obviously, what he did last year was historic. It was an incredible two-month playoff run. But he did get a depleted Warriors team in the NBA Finals, it, and you know this is now a guy that if he wins it this year and you go through potentially a LeBron-led Lakers team that's the number one seed in the West, you potentially then go through a Milwaukee Bucks team, let's say, in the finals that's got the reigning MVP and probably the two-time reigning MVP in Giannis Antetokounmpo, or what if it's the defending champion Toronto Raptors? Either way, his old team, either way. What he's going to navigate this year is going to be, I think, given a lot more weight even than what he did a year ago despite the fact that he's playing with better players around him than he had in Toronto. I think if he is able to pull this off, I do think you will start to have to now put him in different conversations when you start talking about historical greatness rather than just where does he stack up today because that conversation has been you know, him and LeBron and Durant. It's been like those three guys for the last five or six years that you've primarily talked about who's the best in the league. And obviously now Giannis is in that discussion as well it's going to be a different level of conversation when you start talking about where Kawhi would stack up, you know, historically with some of the all-time great backcourt players.
1: Tim Legler with us here on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. He's on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And then that brings us to my pick. I picked the Lakers to win the whole thing before the season started, and I won't change despite a little bit of what my eyes have been seeing since they came back in this bubble. I I can't make up my mind what to make of these seeding games because the Lakers have basically had nothing to play for from the moment it all started. Their home court advantage doesn't mean anything in in a, in a, in a, you know, in a bubble with no fans there. Um, So I don't know what to make of that. And they'll have plenty of time to play their way into where they want it to be in the playoffs. But my feeling Tim Legler is in order for the Lakers to do this, Anthony Davis is going to have to be the best player. And when he was drafted, I still go back to this. Larry Brown, whose opinion on basketball I respect more than anyone's, said to me, he's going to be the best player in the NBA, Green. He was on Mike and Mike one time. He said that. He's going to be the best player in the league. And he has been unbelievable, but we've never seen him carry a good team. And and there have been things about his game in, in total that have been a little less at times than I think we were hoping. Do you believe Anthony Davis is ready to put a team on his shoulders be the best player and win a championship with the Lakers.
4: Well, here's where I would disagree with you slightly, okay? I don't know that Anthony Davis has to be the best player. I, I do think he's got to be great. I mean, he's got to play great. Anthony Davis can't shrink or, you know, have a couple of games in a series where he just doesn't play well when he gives you, you know, a 15-point game. He can't do that. He's got to be great. He's got to be as great as he was in the regular season. But here's the thing, even if his numbers scoring-wise and rebounding-wise, are better than LeBron's, LeBron James is still going to be the best player on the floor. And the reason is because the facilitation and the playmaking responsibilities that fall on his shoulders – just by the nature of the position, dictate that he is going to be the most impactful player on the floor if they win a championship. Now, Anthony Davis's numbers are going to have to be great. I mean, he's going to have to be that you know twenty-five to to thirty-point and ten to fifteen-rebound guy for on on average in each of these series. That's what he's going to have to do. But there will be nights when Anthony Davis might get thirty-five and fifteen. And I'm still going to be talking about LeBron James' ability to completely control the pace, the action, where the ball goes, um, control the game with his physical force, the way that he you know, makes defenses react to him, and it makes the game so much easier for everybody else on the floor. He's still going to be the best player. And that's why, for me, it wasn't even a debate. At one point this year about midseason, people weren't even talking about LeBron and Giannis for the MVP. They were saying Anthony Davis was the MVP of the Lakers, and I was vehemently disagreeing with it because you cannot overstate the importance of playmaking responsibilities that fall on somebody's shoulders. And Anthony Davis really doesn't have any of that. He can just go out be this incredible you know, 6'11", fluid athlete that's such a tough matchup because he can post you, he can run the floor, he can take you out to the three-point line, he's got a mid-range. He can score any way you need to on the floor. He can be a defensive game changer. He's a great rebounder. But when you start talking about the brains of the operation and reading the defense, possession by possession, and controlling exactly where the ball is going to go at the right time, you can't overstate how important that is to a team. And that's why, for me, LeBron James has been their best player all year. And regardless of what Anthony Davis' numbers look like, LeBron James will be the best player on the floor if the Lakers win a championship.
1: That's fair. I'm not even disagreeing with that. But what, what I... What I would say is that I think if they play the Clippers, the Clippers have so many guys to run at LeBron and LeBron, they're going to wear him down because they're going to bring guys off the bed. They, they have multiple players who can make him tired and make life miserable for him, and he is going to need Anthony Davis to be the superstar. Like like the unstar- yeah. no one has I'd a matchup with that. for that I'd guy. Agree with that. He needs, He be, can't he's let Anthony be Davis
4: better than he's ever been in the postseason. Right. And I agree with you.
1: That's what I'm saying. Anthony Davis can't just be good. Anthony right. Davis is going to have to be get on my shoulders, LeBron, and let me carry you. and And you uh, don't worry, you you worry about all of them. I got this, and no one can stop me. And that's what Anthony Davis, I think, can be. And I'm not sure ever actually has been. I, I, I got one minute left. Do you believe he can be that with this? And if he is, do they win it?
4: I believe he can be because I believe the comfort that LeBron James provides for him and having him as a teammate. It has made Anthony Davis a much more confident player in those situations. Um, when he felt all of the weight of it, carry a Pelicans team, like, you know, get them through a series against a team you're not supposed to beat that was something that was probably a little bit too much for him. But now when you have a guy out there next to you that has, that has done what LeBron James has done in this league, has the leadership abilities that he has, and you know that he is going to be the focal point and allows you to stay in that really comfortable sidecar lane, which is where he's going to be, which is where Kyrie Irving thrived alongside LeBron James, That's a great place for Anthony Davis to be mentally, and so therefore I think he is absolutely going to be ready to rise to the occasion in this. What's interesting to me is they're going to get a red-hot Blazers team with a top-ten player playing the best he's played maybe in his career coming in, and the Lakers haven't played a meaningful game since the middle of March The Blazers just played nine straight playoff games for all intents and purposes. This is a very dangerous series. Fortunately for the Lakers, it's a best of seven, and ultimately the better team should win that. But don't be surprised if the Lakers find themselves a little bit of a hole while they're trying to figure out how to ramp up their intensity because they haven't played anything that that meant anything since the league shut down in March.
1: I totally agree. This was the worst possible matchup they could have gotten in their first round, and it's what they got. Legs, thank you, my friend. You're the best. I will talk to you soon. No doubt, Greeny. Talk to you soon. Timmy Legler here as we look at NBA playoffs again. Actually, they tip off in 10 minutes, and all four games today are on ESPN, and we're looking forward to that. I'll talk to Jeff Van Gundy a little bit later in this hour. Booger McFarland is on the way as well. But coming up next, I will read to you a headline that completely ruined my day, and if you're a fan of my favorite team, it's going to ruin yours too. That's next. I'm Greeny. This is ESPN Radio. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. Booger will join me in a second, but I promised you this. I said that I read a headline that is going to ruin, that ruined my day. And if you're a fan of my favorite team, it's going to ruin yours. Mark Cannizzaro covers the New York Jets for the New York Post. And this is the opening of his piece today about the New York Jets. As if he doesn't already have enough on his plate Sam Darnold may be throwing passes to his mailman by week two of this season. I mean, that's it. They haven't even started practicing yet. We've already decided that the Jets are going to be that bad. So that just put me in a terrible mood. And I thought that it couldn't get any worse than that. But I just was listening to Christine Lisi doing SportsCenter, and I realized for one other team it did get worse. And as I bring my buddy Booger McFarland into the conversation here – uh, at Booger on the Shell Penzo performance line. I'm not sure if you heard that in SportsCenter, but Booger, Dallas Cowboys, Gerald McCoy, torn right quad season-ending surgery for a team thinking Super Bowl thoughts. How big a deal is that?
0: Well, first of all, Greeny, congrats on the new show. Uh, glad to be on, man. It's going to be a lot of fun listening to you in the afternoon now as opposed to 6 and 8 a.m., but mm-hmm. I digress. As, as far as the Dallas Cowboys are concerned, Greeny, Uh, You know, Gerald was supposed to be that guy that was going to be the, you know, the three technique inside to provide some push in there. Uh, You're right. The Cowboys have Super Bowl aspirations. But if you think about it, they signed Everson Griffin. They have DeMarcus Lawrence. I'm not sure what's going to happen with Alden Smith. So they have some bodies up front, but I I don't know if they're going to have anybody like a McCoy that can be that three technique that that kind of poor man's Aaron Donald or poor man's Fletcher Cox type setup.
1: And how about the pre- did You hear me say that they're writing in the in the in the paper today. Sam Darnold will be throwing passes to his mailman at some point this season. Is this going to be another miserable season for me and for fans of the New York Jets everywhere?
0: If it is green, then I think Joe Douglas and Adam Gaze have a lot to answer for. Because I always thought, and you can tell me what you what you think on this. Uh, the, the job of, of a GM and a head coach, when you get a franchise quarterback, you're supposed to surround him with weapons. Like you're supposed to make life easy for the guy. They've done everything but that in in New York. Now, I, I get it. They've kind of beefed up the offensive line. Makai Beck is going to be really good, I think, eventually. But Sam Donald needs somebody to throw the football to. I, I know Le'Veon Bell is in really good shape. He looks chiseled from every pitcher I've seen. But uh, unless Donald can have some some guys that he feels like he can throw to in his sleep on the outside, that offense is never going to meet his full potential.
1: All right. So let's go back then to where you politely began, and I did not which is that I wanted Booger on today because he's my best friend at ESPN. I love the man. And and here we are. We're all set. I call him up last week. I say, Booger, I want you on the first show. All all set, Greeny. (laughs) No problem. And then I get in my ear in the break before he's supposed to come on. We can't get a hold of Booger. So tell me the truth. Were you or were you not behind a slow group today out at one of your fancy country clubs down there in Tampa where you play golf and it wound up taking longer than you expected? Is that the reason you were not available an hour ago?
0: Oh, no. You know what, Greeny? <laughs> I, I wish I could say that was the reason. I'll give you the honest to God reason. I was actually on a boat and the signal was bad. Uh, you know, with the COVID-19, I haven't been able to take the family on, on a real vacation. And so I came up with the idea. I'm going to charter a boat and take the kids down the West Coast to Florida. and We're going to hang out or whatever. And so I had to go take a look at the boat before I spent some of ESPN's money.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: so I was actually on the boat and the signal was bad.
1: Okay, I will live with that. And it's a nice story, so I won't even joke around about it. But you know how much I love you, and it's it's great to have you. Um, and, and so, okay, let me get into what I, what I was saying before when we were expecting or when we were planning this earlier. I believe there is a real chance the NFL's wildest dream will come true, which is to say this morning on Get Up, I showed video of two teams in padded practices, Tom Brady in a Buccaneers uniform and Cam Newton in a Patriots uniform, I think they're both going to be extraordinary successes. I think Brady, with what they've put around him in Tampa, and in particular, a sneaky good defense, I think they're going to be really good. And I think that Cam Newton, the element of total surprise, no one has any idea what to expect that Patriot offense that Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick will put together around the unique skill set of Cam Newton. No one has any idea what to prepare for or expect I think both those teams are going to be really, really good, and it would not stun me if they wind up playing each other in the Super Bowl. Booger, go.
0: Well, it would definitely stun me. I agree with part of what you said. I think Tampa is going to be uber successful. You know, Brady, I think, is the greatest quarterback of all time. You you add him to the weapons they have. And a defense in Tampa that, Greeny, you alluded to, that was really, really good down the stretch last year, I think it would be a travesty if they weren't ten and six at the at the bare minimum. Uh, I'm sure they're probably thinking twelve and four, uh, maybe even eleven and five somewhere in there. They're going to be really good. I'm not sure what to expect in New England, Greeny, because you know the one great year Cam Newton had, I think, was an anomaly, and that was the 2015 MVP year. Um, Cam has always been a physical, just giant on the field. He's used his athleticism to dominate games. Well, that's gotten him in trouble. Uh, the shoulder the foot is he willing to put his body in harm's way at this stage in his career I want to see that if he isn't then I think Josh McDaniels is going to have a really really uh, hard task of turning Cam into essentially what North Turner was trying to turn him into which was a pocket passer that could complete the short to intermediate passes at a high level as far as the Patriots in the Super Bowl I, I think at best right now you would probably put the Patriots what fourth fifth maybe sixth in the afc behind a lot of good teams kansas city baltimore indy i mean i can go on and on i think denver's gonna be really good uh i'm not i'm not trying to leave teams out but i don't think new england is is a top five top six team you know when you look at it so super bowl for new england is probably not going to happen tampa the super bowl is in tampa super bowl 55 I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks are playing in it, if the ball kind of bounces their way, because they got all the talent. Greedy. I,
1: I, I would not, I just don't put anything past Bill. And I think that this, this, um, I don't know, the, 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 like this lump of clay that he can mold into practically whatever it is. He wants it to be that no one can foresee with McDaniels, I think is an interesting one. But while I have you one more minute here, Booger, let me ask you my poll question today. Do you believe they should play college football this fall? You've seen what's happened. Justin Fields, Petition, 230-something thousand people signing it, last I checked, trying to talk the Big Ten into into playing, changing their minds, coming back and playing. That's so unlikely to happen as to not even being worth talking about. But your conference, the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12, are still planning to play. Do you believe they should?
0: No, I don't. And, Greeny, I I think it all comes back to liability. And and I think that if if we're willing to do what's the – The the best thing, like if if we were really putting health and safety in our country uh, at the forefront, we wouldn't be trying to play sports because sports for me and sports for you um, are entertainment. Now, there's an economic value that's brought great riches to our lives. But by and large, sports are entertainment for a large majority of our country. And I, I just find it hard to believe that you can say the safest thing we can do is go out and play football. Um, I think that what you're seeing with Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, like Justin Fields could go out and get half of America to sign this petition. It's not going to change anything unless you can convince the presidents and the lawyers um, that they won't be liable five or ten years from now. To me, it, it doesn't really matter how many names or how many uh, people sign this petition because it's all it, it all comes down to liability. And, Greeny, I, I, I've heard this. Everyone says, well, what's the difference between the medicine that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have looked at? and the medicine at the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12. Well, Greeny, to me it's the same medicine, but you know what it is? It's a risk tolerance. Football in the South is different than I think than football in the Big 10 or football out West. And I think there is a higher risk tolerance with Greg Sankey, with Bob Bowlsby, with Swafford than there is with the Pac-12 commissioner and the Big 10 based on the fact that what football means to these small college towns. Like Tuscaloosa is a, is a college town. Columbus, Columbus is a little bigger than Tuscaloosa. Yeah, football still means a lot, but I I just think that there is a higher risk tolerance and a need to play college football in the South than there is in other places. And so I think that's why you have those conferences uh, marching full steam ahead.
1: 61% of the people who voted on my poll said they think it should be played. I was expecting that to be higher, frankly. So more people than I would have thought are agreeing with you. All right, final and most important question. Harkening back to one of the great days in, in, in my history on ESPN Radio and back in the Mike and Mike days, you were with me when Al Leiter called me Goldie, which was one of my favorite <laughs> days ever. But the best day ever was when you told Gary Player that you could beat him in golf. Do you still believe you could beat Gary <laughs> Player in golf?
0: Oh, Greeny! Not only do I still feel like I could beat him, I feel like my chances have gotten better because – Gary Player has gotten older. Uh, I've lost a few more pounds. I've gotten a little bit more limber. And I think my demeanor on the golf course is better now. Now, as far as you, Greeny, as far as you're concerned, uh-huh. um, I think there were three days that I remember with you very, very near and dear. Uh-huh. One is, is the Gary Player day. Uh-huh. Two two was the day that you allowed Al Lighter, uh, Al to call you Goldie, and you actually answered to it. To me, that, I, I'm like, why are you answering to another to a man calling you a different name? <laughs> and then the third day was the day that Get Up launched when we were outside in the snow talking about the Masters. Those yep. three days stick out in my mind when it comes to Mike Greenberg, and they will forever be etched in my brain.
1: Me too. And and hopefully it's just the beginning. We will make plenty more fun memories going forward. Thank you, Booger. Best of the family. I'll see you soon.
0: Anytime, buddy. Love you, Greeny. And you too.
1: That's Booger. the great... The great Booger McFarland is, is one of me. He is, he is as close a friend as I have here at ESPN, and he's just the best, um, and that is a true story. He told Gary Player that he could beat him in golf, and Gary Player said, I've seen you swing. It looks like a cow giving birth to a roll of barbed wire. That is a direct quote, and one of my favorite moments of all time. All right, coming up next, I'm going to get Jeff Van Gundy in here, and with the NBA playoffs underway, I've got a good trivia question. After Nikola Jokic... Had four triple-doubles in the playoffs last year. Only two players in NBA history have recorded five triple-doubles through their first two career postseasons. The only two ever with more career triple-doubles in their first two years than Nikola Jokic. That's the question. The answer is next. You're listening to Greeny or on ESPN Radio. All right, we are back on ESPN Radio, and our fascinating stat of the day brought to you by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. I asked you, who were the only two players ever with more triple-doubles in the playoffs their first two years than Nikola Jokic? The answers are who you would think they'd be, Oscar Robertson and Magic Johnson. That's how good Jokic has been through his first two postseasons. But the best of them all is my friend Jeff Van Gundy, who will jump on a couple of quick minutes here, getting set to do the NBA playoffs, which start today on ESPN. Jeff, uh, good afternoon. Thank you, my man. How are you? Doing well. How's everything? Everything is good. It's been a long time, and I have a very limited time here, so I want to jump right into it. I was watching what Damian Lillard has done over the course of the last week, and I thought to myself, that's the last guy in the world I want to play in the first round of the playoffs. And, of course, it's LeBron and the Lakers who get him. How dangerous is that series?
5: Well, he's really dangerous and I think if they had a who opted out for family reasons, I think it would be much more dangerous because then they would have a legitimate matchup for James. Right now their choices are uh Carmelo, who is basically a four man, and Zach Collins, who's a five man. Um, you know, Gary Trent is, you know, a little light. The two guards are smaller. So I really I know it's um it's in vogue to say that they're going to present a lot of danger. And I think Portland's players are good, but I think they're, there's a bigger chance that Portland gets swept mm. than they win the series.
1: Okay. Uh, that's an interesting perspective on it. The opposite of what I was thinking, but I will go with what you think because you know more about this than I'll ever know. Next question. Then if the Lakers are going to win the whole thing this year, what is Anthony Davis going to have to be? Well, he's going
5: to have to be obviously great because offensively they have limited options. And if I was a team playing against them, every time Anthony Davis caught it in that 12 to 15 foot area just off the post and faced up, I'm going to double him. And I'm going to ask the other Laker uh, players um, to have to make shots and significant shots down the stretch of games. I'm not going to allow him to play one-on-one because He's the type of guy, he and James, if allowed to, can, you know, carry them to series wins. And so I would just uh, try to make other guys have to be great.
1: Yeah, they've been my pick since before it started. I won't give up on it. Over on the other side, the Bucks are a prohibitive favorite everywhere you look. If not them in the East, who is it? Who is the biggest threat to Giannis in the Eastern Conference?
5: Toronto. You know, last year, Toronto in the regular season, I think, was 17-5 and uh, without Leonard. And they bring back uh, a talented, together, and tough team. Uh, They play with intelligence. uh, They play with great uh, harmony. I I just think they're a terrific, terrific team that has been overlooked because they lost a superstar. But when you look back into the regular season last year, they played better record-wise without Leonard than they played with him.
1: Hmm. And so we'll see. They had the same record actually going into the bubble that they had at the same number of games last year. Really quickly, because I, I, I need to figure out the timing here and save more, much more time for the next time we're together. But I just wanted to ask you, what's it been like down there doing these games, being in that bubble, being around this? How would you describe what the environment is like for all of us who are watching it from the outside?
5: So the player bubble is much more restrictive than the media bubble. You know, the media bubble, we only get tested twice a week, and it's more of an on-your-honor type of thing, whereas the player bubble, team bubble, referee bubble, much more uh, restrictive. So what they have to endure uh, mentally and for how long uh, is a tremendous sacrifice uh, that uh, I really admire all those people who have done it without complaint because it can get very monotonous in either bubble you know, eating the same food day in, day out.
1: Jeff, I'm so sorry that we ran out of time here. I I will figure out this clock and I will save much more time the next time I get a chance to talk to you. But I'm done for the day. Thank you, Jeff Van Gundy. Be safe down there. We'll be watching the games. Thank you. Take care. That's Jeff Van Gundy. I love him. I didn't have time to do it here. This has been a terrific first day. I learned a lot. We are going to figure it all out. We will have Charles Barkley this week. We will have Brett Favre this week. We will have much more fun. I will see you tomorrow. Greeny on ESPN Radio.